0: Hi everyone, Marco here. This week's episode is an interview with Alan Toussaint from the Talking Blues archives. This interview took place in Memphis in May of 2012, the day after Alan Toussaint was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. As with most of the interviews from the archive, I did not mic myself. So I had to boost the audio on my questions, which may be a little jarring. However, the important part is the man I'm interviewing. I hope you enjoy the interview. I began the interview by asking him to tell me a little bit about his family and how he first got into music.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, well, my, I came from a, a family of uh, not professional musicians, but many of the older folk, uh, like uncles and whatnot, played a little. Uh, none hardly professional. But uh, how I got to it was uh, a piano was given to my house. Uh, well, if not to my house to my sister and uh, when they moved this big piece of furniture into the house I as a little tot I went over and with some reservations touched it and it gave me a pleasant sound and I was hooked right away and uh, each day I would get up and go and and touch it a little more and that's how I got started uh, having the piano as a part of what my ear cavity loved for daily bread. And uh, I began picking out things by ear, of course. My sister, who began taking music lessons, uh, saw that I was interested, and she was one who would tell me, This E that you're playing here is there on the page. Her, her lessons, uh, she was, she's had us teacher, but it was short-lived. She didn't enjoy the process. Uh, I don't. Maybe it was the teacher's fault, but uh, she soon stopped. But she was a smart girl and she learned quickly. So she gave me my initial theory lessons. Uh, but uh, my biggest fun was to mimic things off of the radio, and uh, I found that I was able to do that really early on, though very humble versions of everything. But everything I heard, I thought I had to learn. I thought all other musicians knew this but me. So I had best get to it, and it was a lot of fun. That's how I got started.
0: So, the passion for music came to you immediately? Yes. 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 Yeah. What were you listening to on the radio that might have influenced that?
1: Well, in the early days, I heard a lot of hillbilly music, which later is called country and western. But during those days, it was called hillbilly. And the pianos all had a lot of trills in the right hand, like old Salon uh, pianists. And I heard a lot of Boogie Woogie late at night, and a lot of real stumping gospel. But a lot of, uh, again, I say hillbilly, and popular music as well, uh, uh, very popular music. R&B hadn't been coined, the phrase hadn't been coined yet, so that music wasn't prevalent. But I, I fell in love with boogie-woogies and uh, blues, some blues on the radio. Uh, but I thought the boogie-woogies were fascinating, because they sound so busy. It seemed like you had best get to that. It seemed like if you could only do that, you will have arrived. Uh, so I did a lot of that. And of course, at some point during that, those early days, I heard this magic of Professor Longhair. And I wanted to make a left turn and go wherever he was going. Uh, so everything on the radio, I, I fell in love with. And I mean, uh, including Wayne Cain waltz, uh, Guy Lombardo, all of that. Uh, I, if I'd hear that, I'd begin trying to play that, and, and loving it all equally as much.
0: Now, New Orleans has an incredible history of piano players. Yes. Uh, people. People like Professor Longhair, James Booker, countless people who I guess helped really define the New Orleans sound. What do you think it was about New Orleans that the piano was so prevalent?
1: Well, I think uh, we, have, we have held on to the old world charm more than some other places, and we didn't go we didn't go as electronic as quickly as other places did. So the piano is king until the world gets electronic. And then guitar becomes uh, the spokesman. But as uh, long as it's acoustic, uh, the most uh, bravado of acoustic instruments would be the piano. Uh, not speaking of drums, the rhythms. But uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. We have held on to the, again, uh, old world charm, even in structures, as well as uh, ideology, the pace we move. Uh, uh, whatever progress is, ours we mosey on a little behind, a little slower, but not because of trifleness. But it's a luxury that we afford, and uh, it's quite nice. And the piano, uh, I, as I say, of the acoustic instruments, piano is king.
0: Uh, the other question I have about New Orleans is just the variety of music that it has, and and, and yet it is. Very much its own. So when you hear things from New Orleans, it has—it seems to have a personality that says that defines the city. Can you talk to that? And, because I think I think you've had a lot to do with defining that sound.
1: Well, the city feeds us something, and uh, and it has some ingredients that I, I happen to uh, try and think, uh, and put good questions like that. Uh, I attribute it to the ingredients of our music. Our geographical location, uh, we are looped from the linear thought of straight across America, east, midwest, west. And the speed of that is so different than if you make a turn from the east, make your left turn, and from the west, make a right turn, and come down to New Orleans. Uh, We haven't had to keep up. We didn't try and keep up with the rest of the world as much as uh, these other major areas had to, even. Uh, And we have things like our Mardi Gras Indians, which their music is done for another reason, aside from commercialism and uh, progress, where should it go next year and all that. That music is done to drive uh, that purpose into a frenzy when it's time to perform, like for the Indians and for all that followed. So that music lives with us all year round, not just at Mardi but it's, it's, it's back in our, you might say, in M- Mindula and But uh, also, we have the, the brass bands of the street parades. That's another music that wasn't done for commercialism. It was done for sadness and joy, for funerals, and for other uh, events that took place. Uh, and that music lives with us as well, and by being being uh, none, the purpose wasn't initially for commercialism, it was just to live there. So our concept, I think, we have held on to making the music just for the joy of it, as opposed to what should we do next to sell. Uh, not that selling is a bad thing, uh, it kind of turns the world. But I think our music has special ingredients because of those kind of factors. And I think, uh, even though he's one man, Professor Longhair lives.
0: What what is it, I know it's probably really difficult to quantify, but you've had your hand in a lot of successes, commercial successes. What would you say is the the secret or the reason behind that?
1: I don't know. I have no idea. cuz if so I would do it all the time every time uh but uh I do know that my initial purpose uh my initial uh concept is you're supposed to have a good time when you're making music first of all and uh the reason it's such a hard question to answer, because sometime a company will send someone to you, and you know why they're there, and as opposed to just having the good time, uh, you're supposed to be trying to make the cash register ring. And that that's a toughie. But first and foremost is to, to make good music, and then hope, wish the best for it. Uh, but far as the successes that I've had, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what to make of that. I'm, I'm grateful and joyous of it all and hope there'll be much more. But I don't know the ingredient, the secret, if there's be such a thing. I don't know what the magic
0: bullet is, nothing like that. I know it's a business, and I know you have to survive. But I presume that you never went into it thinking, we need to make the hit record. It's got to be what's good. I tried it one
1: time in my life. When I came out of the military in sixty five I thought all of the people who do what I do have been out here all of they've left left the where the horses start they're all the way around the track. Uh, I had best get started and try and catch up and when I wrote a song called Ride your Pony," I tried to write a hit song and uh, it's uh it's even humorous to me but uh, I, I can answer that question that, yes, I did try that one time. And I'm not sure uh, uh, how to ju- uh, justify the results, but uh, that's the only time I actually thought about trying to write a hit. Other times, I just try and do what I think is good and to, that it will be pleasing to the, uh, to the artists and that it will highlight whoever they are or whoever they would like to be. Because uh, sometimes an uh, artist uh, is in one place, and but you might find out that they would like to be somewhere else. So if you ever can get to know that, then if you can edge that on or help that, yeah, one should.
0: I read somewhere that you went on the road uh, as a piano player, I think 50, not 57, and came off the road thinking that there wasn't much future in that to you. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Oh well. Uh, I didn't come off the road thinking that there was much future in that for me, because I went out as a sideman, and that was sufficient to me. I enjoy tremendously being a sideman. I never thought about being an artist, never, never, still don't. So I'm I'm always satisfied. That's the comfort zone to me, being a sideman, a man behind the scene who puts things together, writes songs, gets musicians together, writes arrangements. And uh, build an atmosphere that that can happen, and uh, go for the end results, and uh, to have a, a good product at the end of it. But myself, as a, as a, an artist, I I don't generally think that.
0: And is it still something that you're conflicted with? Because I know you're touring now.
1: Yes, but. Uh, uh, Well, I couldn't apply maybe the word conflicted to it because I still consider myself as that guy behind the scene who, uh, because of certain circumstances, is brought to the forefront sometimes, which is quite rewarding. Uh, It's a different life, though, than what I had geared myself to live. Uh, But I find it quite rewarding to come out and perform now, and I think Katrina, the booking agent Katrina, has uh, contributed strongly to that. And uh, at first, uh, to come out and do it over and over again was really a a little bit jittery for me, uh, because I felt out of my comfort zone. But uh, after a while, I began to enjoy it, and not just see it as uh, research or therapy, but uh, enjoy the reaction of people. And it's what we're really about, even when we're in the studio and recording, what our ultimate aim is to reach the people. And when you're on the stage, there they are. So that is really the meat of the matter. So I quite enjoy it now. But it is not the way my life was, uh, that's not the avenue that my life was on. But uh, it's, it's it's quite rewarding.
0: Can, can we talk about Katrina a bit? Um, Just. Because it's such such a huge thing in our lives, and, and I presume how it affected everybody in New Orleans, I can't even imagine. Can you maybe talk to that experience for you, and, and you just kind of refer to how it changed your life? A bit.
1: Katrina was a, uh, a tragedy with more blessings than tragic. Uh, many wonderful things happened as a result of Katrina. Our city has been— uh, Those areas are being restructured, and the places that they're putting up looks wonderful. They're giving some people more individuality than they had before, as far as general structures. Uh, Musicians, uh, we were all displaced. So some musicians who were never in demand to be called out of town to perform, now they were out of town. So proprietors in different cities were able to hire them, because they were right down the street, without paying for planned tickets or hotels. So more musicians, more New Orleans musicians were working right after Katrina than ever in life. Uh, just about everyone, wherever they were, could find a place to perform. Uh, that was quite a blessing. And for some people who didn't have the means to travel, now they had traveled. They were out of the city and out of their uh, zone of complacency. So they saw other things which widened their own scope about what's out there. So there were many blessings that came. Also, I saw people, because I stayed till four days after the storm, I witnessed some people being doing wonderful, kind things towards each other. That really warmed my heart and, and rejuvenated my faith in, in us. I saw people who would never speak to each other before doing really kind things to help each other. Uh, That's another result of Katrina. Uh, So Katrina was loaded with blessings. It was a baptism, you might say. Uh, So I it now I appreciate Katrina, and I'm glad I was there, because I wouldn't have wanted such a large historical event to happen in my city, and I'm somewhere else. So, I'm really glad that I was there to witness that. And I've witnessed all of the storms, but that was the biggest.
0: It's an interesting perspective that you bring, that, that, that coming from Canada, I've just never heard, and I've seen documentaries about Katrina. I was glued to my television set, watching that whole event, with tears down my eyes, thinking, sure. what could this happen? Yeah. But, but you bring a totally different light to that event, that, that I feel— Happy to hear because I, I just oh. I don't hear that side of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of musicians weren't happy about being displaced, and I know when you look at it, you just feel like the government had let that city down. Okay. But, but that's a positive thing that um, it's great to hear.
1: It was just so big, I think even the government didn't know what to do about it. It just caught everyone off guard, didn't have nothing to compare it to. But a lot of wonderful things happened, and it caused some collaborations that people wouldn't have had the initiative to, or either to think about doing. Now these wonderful collaborations happen. Even the collaboration with Elvis Costello, to that extent with myself, was a byproduct of Katrina.
0: And I just wonder if your popularity has grown because of Katrina.
1: I think so, yes. yes. Uh, the, the notoriety, uh, yes. Because I was uh, put before the public more. Right after that, and I a story came with me that everyone in the world was interested in—the story of Katrina.
0: If we go back to your producing days, and you produce some amazing albums, can you talk about the thought process of being a good producer? And and you certainly proved yourself as being one with all the hits that you had.
1: Well, to, pro- to produce—if I was to uh, well to just answer your question, I guess would be the best thing uh, to Bill. Well, to produce artists, uh, what is that? To set up an environment for that artist to deliver the, uh, the best thing that their spirit has to offer. So to find the right kind of song that when that artist sings it, they can live it and feel good about it. And to find the right, uh, to build the right atmosphere where they'll feel comfortable and to find, of course, the musicians and everything that goes along with that. And to tailor the whole environment to fit this artist. Uh, I think that, uh, in short, would be the job of a producer. Of course, each one of those elements costs uh, some other little peripheral uh, test that has to happen. But I think, in a nutshell, that is it. To get that artist to give that artist the equipment and the ingredients to deliver what they would love to be, and for it to be pleasing to a lot of people. I guess if you first make it pleasing enough to them, it should translate.
0: Can I ask you, what did last night mean to you, being inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame?
1: I love being inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. Uh, For one thing, I didn't know I was noticeable enough in that area to be considered. But those people care a lot about music, period, so they know who's doing what. And, and I have written much blues, but I'm generally not noted for the blues, per se. But the things, anything they knew of me that came anywhere close to that area, they sorted it out. And uh, so I was elated to be there, for one thing, plus I love awards. But, because uh, you can spend the money, but you don't spend your award. Uh, but uh, for them to consider me, and, and it's done in fine taste, it's done in fine taste. There's loads of history. And don't care how hip we think we get, where did it come from? Blues and gospel, yes. Uh, and so, for, the, for me to be recognized by it, such a foundational Institution as the Blues Hall of Fame was uh, royal, and I was in the company of some greats.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> with all that you've accomplished, what do you hold close to you? What is what do you cherish the most?
1: That I'm still doing what I love to do. Since I very first started, this seemed like days afterwards. Uh, so. Uh, to answer that question, that I still am enthusiastic, in love with what I do, and uh, always something uh, look, to look forward to. And music is such a journey. Uh, there's always something else on the horizon, and knowing that is a joy in itself, and to be in that number.
0: Did you ever question the passion? Like, has it ever disappeared?
1: Oh, no way. But when I was twenty-eight, I remember having writer's block for two days. And it frightened me, Good, not to death, but close. But uh, I didn't know of such. But uh, I heard uh, in that couple of days that there was such a thing as writer's block. Because for a moment, I wondered, what is this? Because I I did what I do every day. And for these couple of days, I didn't feel like a, a writer. And uh, I thought, well, will I write again? But it was short-lived. Uh, I guess I took a nap.
0: So, you write every day? Do you still write every
1: day? I do something musical every day. I either go in to try and bring to fruition some other uh, wishbones and feathers that I've collected, uh, to try and improve on something else, or write something else. But something musical every day from the time I wake.
0: My final question, maybe a tough one, but you, you, you're a veteran of the music industry. You kind of define some of the music industry. You played many different parts of the music industry. So how do you view the, the music industry?
1: The industry? Uh, which part of the industry?
0: Basically the music-making machine.
1: I think, the well, as far as the musicianship and the records that are being made and things like that, I think we're on the stair step of always going somewhere, and I think that the stair steps are intact. It's always going somewhere, and it's, uh, it's a an non-ending journey. Large companies, the Internet has confused that issue. On uh, It was so easy when you, every, everything met this petroleum product that you had in your hand, this record, this 45 or this 78 or this CD in your hand, and the way to get this music is to go to a shop and buy it, and that's it and you, maybe you make a little cassette of some things or whatever, and you, if you wanted a, a, an album, you go buy that. The Internet has changed that whole concept of exchanging music that you own already, or either to buy new music or to download music or to go to iTunes and see anything you want. When you feel like enjoying it, you just punch it up and enjoy it, and then let it go. That has confused the issue for large conglomerates. It, it totally has. And uh, so that has changed, but for as artists who wants to sing, and who want musicians who want to play, it's still the same. Uh, if you have talent, uh, that talent can be recognized. But uh, again, the big music machine is in a strange transition now, on what's the best way to handle this. But that, that is not the problem of a musician and an artist themselves. They should just go for their heart and be as fulfilled musically as possible. But yes, the big music machine is in a strange transition. And, and it's a lengthy transition, because these things will not go away this new way of doing it for instance a song like at last now since you can punch up and buy just at last i'm sure at last sells like a hit record every day before internet something like that wasn't possible cuz that was a record off of an album uh, or whatever and many other things that you can go and choose out of this i don't want the whole album uh, cuz there's one song that i want and you go and get that and tell your friends they can do that. Uh, That's really a luxury for the public, and I think public before I think company. Uh, So it's quite a transition, Uh, and it's not a bad thing, it's just that we have to learn our way just as going through the whole jungle of, of evolution. You learn your way around, and some things take more time than others. But I think we're in the finest days I've ever seen. Technology is very high. We have to really run to keep up with it. Uh, just everything is really better.
0: It's great to hear. I thank you very much. and really
1: appreciate this. So thank you.